0: John, uh, how you doing today? looks like I'm coming in real hot here on my end. Yeah, uh, ooh, so am I. So maybe we're scooting back a little. Okay, yeah, See maybe we can, we can dial
1: it back a little bit. Maybe dial it back a little bit. I, uh, a little bit, huh? yeah, I saw I a cat about, shitting kittens good. and uh, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival. I'm John Brooks. With me, as always, is Kevin Miller. Hey, John, we came in a little hot, so we had to make a little adjustment. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's good stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm psyched about today's episode. We've got our uh, Hawaiian brada, uh, Chris Miyashiro, with us today, and uh, we first met Chris in 2019 at the film festival. He came out, and uh, we were showing his first film, I believe, or his first widely viewed film um, in Dancing Days of Dawn, and... I think we both just really like kind of fell in love with the film, like from the gecko.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, if you're really aching to hear an hour long podcast of me trying to talk pigeon, well, here you go. Get ready. (laughs) It's not going to be pretty. Actually, I don't try one time. And Chris is very polite enough to share his creative process with us that led to in dancing days of dawn. In my opinion, it was the, uh, the, the breakout of a great artist, and uh, he's followed it up now with <clears throat> "Whistle of Wilderness," and uh, I'm, I think I'm getting that title right, "Whistle in the Wilderness," right? Yep, yep, I believe so. And uh, so, yeah,
1: we chat with Chris about his new film, and we also chat with him about uh, a cool trip he did in Australia after he left us in 2019 from the festival, and uh, he cruised around Australia, hung out with Tom Wagoner a bit. I know he spent some time with Lauren Hill and Dave Rostovich. Uh, my good buddy Joey uh, Gimber in Byron Bay and um, yeah he and a couple buddies just cruised and wandered around so
0: it's a great story yeah exactly and I got it wrong actually it's whistle of wilderness sorry Chris that's right yeah um, the uh, that's what you get for being a surfer and not being prepared and and also um, speaking of being prepared, we are 100% on the fence about running our August event for anybody who hears this in uh, August and you're not sure if we're running. uh, You'll find out via social media or email, but uh, we're in discussions with everybody right now to make sure it's going to be a safe event. If we do run it, you can count on one thing and it will be that we're going to make it as safe as possible. Um, But right now that's in the works. We look forward to sharing that information with you uh, soon. So by the time you hear this, you will probably know if we're running or not. We're 100% 50-50. That's right. Yeah. That's some Brian Fantana math. That's right. All right. So uh, let's
1: get on with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great chat with Chris. And thanks for joining us. Enjoy the episode.
2: We were just wandering around the streets of Australia without a clue what we were doing. (laughs) Uh,
1: So how long were you in like the Byron Bay area?
2: Oh, I don't know. Probably like a week or so. Okay. Yeah. And then –
1: yeah, like kind of, you know, just the rundown of like where you went from there?
2: We went up north to shoot. Where does Tom Wagner live? Noosa. We Noosa. went and stayed with Tom Wagner and Noosa. Oh, sick. Yeah. Right. Uh, a mutual friend as well linked us up via Instagram. And she was like, oh, come hang out. And then we were just expecting to visit him for one day and ended up staying with him for a week. Oh, that's unreal. So fun. Just riding Pipo, Elia every day nice awesome
1: maybe maybe the other friendliest guy in the world huh like just nicest guy ever
2: so jolly and full of life Yeah. yeah that was super fun
1: sweet and uh so were you when you were on that trip were you working like were you collecting footage working on a project is some of the some of the footage from your new film uh from that trip
2: Actually, I was collecting a lot of footage, but there's probably one or two shots in my new film, little like half second inserts. Of wow. Yeah. But yeah, I ended up not using any of the footage. I don't know what to do with it. We have a lot of fun footage of us surfing, but I never, yeah, it's just hanging out in my hard drive. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, not really any Australia footage made it. Ended up being a almost complete Hawaii film.
1: Okay. So you did you film most of that during the pandemic? Yeah. Okay.
2: During the pandemic, we were locked down for, I don't know, it seemed like a month. It was a while where we couldn't even do anything other than going to the ocean, which was a huge blessing for us. Yeah. So, So yeah, I didn't have anything to do. I had no work. So my friends and I spent a little bit of our time surfing and then we planned a trip down like an uncharted coastline on a different island and was out in the wilderness for a lot of the time. And I, I wrote a lot there
1: where nice.
2: a lot of the, uh, the words came from the new film.
1: Awesome. Now, did you guys ever have a, a period of time there in Hawaii where you couldn't go in the ocean?
2: I think there was like a time when they're cracking down on like, beach regulations so like you couldn't cruise on the beach Uh huh. so there were times when it was conflicting where I know I had a couple of uncles that would pull up to the surf and they would be taking their board out of their car or whatever like waxing up putting their shorts on and then the, the cops would come and roll them and give them like fat tickets and they're like no bro we're just getting ready to go like run to the ocean so there is a there's a time where I remember where it was kind of like you you can't be caught in the parking lot or anything yeah. so we we would have to like either go to like our little secret spots or or park far away and just run to the ocean. Wow. So there was that, but there was never like uh don't go in the ocean. There's just don't get caught in the sand kind of a thing. Cause then the, yeah. the officer can say whatever he wants. You know, if he has to write his quota and he finds you like walking on the sand, you're on the yeah.
1: beach. Yeah. Yeah. You're screwed.
2: Yeah. So there was that, but there was the, the ocean was never kapu. The ocean was always open, which was a blessing. Cause I heard in California, it was, not the same story. Maybe no. you guys have it, that same story?
1: So we actually had the same thing for um two days. So I'm like sure. they they yeah, it was crazy. They they and they made the announcement and they were like, You can't go on the beach, you can't set foot on the sand, and you wow. can't be in the water. Wow. And I'm like, but you could be on the sidewalk that was right across the street from the beach. So like people were dying to get out and exercise. So you ended up with like jam-packed sidewalks, and I'm like there's a beach right across the street. That's a a quarter of a mile wide. And you're saying people can't go ride their bikes or exercise or God forbid, go get in the ocean. Like I, I I live right. I'm a block from the ocean. I couldn't walk to the end of my street and go get in the ocean and surf by myself.
2: Oh, and that was, you gotta tap into the moonlight sessions. Yeah. Well,
1: no, we actually, uh, we, we got a little petition going and, uh, we got like hundreds and hundreds of signatures within the first day. You remember that, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. We, we put it on social media, put it on the film festival social media, and uh, we had hundreds and hundreds of signatures within a day. And um, and then yeah, they it, it they we were able to get it reversed uh, within two days. And then it was wow. you couldn't you still couldn't same thing you couldn't hang out on the beach like you couldn't um, you couldn't be Still on the beach, so if you were walking or jogging or um riding your bike or something like that, you were good. You just couldn't like plop down in a chair or on a towel or something and just sit there and do
2: nothing. Yeah. But you could surf, and it Which was you ep- shouldn't be sitting there doing nothing anyway. So
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was epic because right when they did that, we had like a pretty good run of swell for like four to six weeks. And the thing that made it challenging for folks that didn't live by the beach is that they closed all the parking. Oh. And so I was really fortunate living here. So come, some of my buddies, they'd just come to my house and then we we got uh, bikes and uh, I got like an extra bike and surf racks and stuff. And dude, it was like being in junior high school again, freaking Sick. like pack lunch ride your bike down to the inlet we'd surf by ourselves there'd be four of us out at the inlet in perfect six foot waves surf all day and it was yeah it was kind of fun i was actually bummed when they opened everything back
2: up i was like i know it was kind of the same here like when they started opening things back up we started seeing like the the flux of tourists again and like people traveling to come surf we like oh i kind of miss when it was just us but it's good to share the experiences but yeah now right now everyone's like kind of really bummed because it's just getting overly packed. People are antsy to come visit. Yeah. You know, the island is crazy right now. But it it's life.
1: Yeah. That Florida's a kind of the same way. Like a, a lot of people in the US have have come to Florida because there's not many restrictions. And for a for a period of time, I think they were saying that there was a thousand people a day moving to Florida.
2: Oh shit!
1: Yeah, so nuts and uh, moving to Florida, moving to not just visiting, like moving here to live. Oh, so yeah, that that's been kind of crazy, and we've seen that. I know, or at least I know, I I have. I'm sure you have too, Kevin. But just with traffic and um,
0: yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, interesting. I'd say man. the biggest, my biggest observation, just having traveled a bunch during this whole time. Uh, fortunately, and uh, getting out and about is that people are traveling domestic traveling domestically a lot more just to avoid the whole harassment of, you know, getting back in the country or stuck in the country. And, and that seems to be the, the thing in the last five or six weeks or five or six months um, since they implemented the test to get back in the country. You know, I've had a couple of friends and then even a rumor, I think, John, you might have been the one that shared this, not a rumor, but a story of, of somebody who was attempting to get to the mental wise to surf and tested positive on day three of his five-day quarantine and was stuck apparently in the hotel where they move you to another hotel once you test positive. And then it was a, a nightmare. Like the guy was five weeks into, did he ever get out, John? I don't know. It was actually uh, Mike Riola was the one that told me that
1: um, from lost, it was the, the guy was, uh, he's the manager of the catalyst surf shop there in San Clemente. And he was trying to get over there cause it's empty and once in a lifetime opportunity. And yeah, you, cause the official quarantine period in, uh, Indonesia is 14 days, but you can just like everything else in Indonesia, you can buy it down, uh, to five days for, I think it's 500 bucks. And so he did that. And so for five days, you're in a hotel in Jakarta, um, a nice hotel, like 150 bucks a night. And but you're getting tested every day. And it was on day four. And he tested positive. No symptoms, no illness, no nothing. But he tested positive. They pull him out of the nice, fancy hotel. They put him in what they call a COVID hotel, which is basically, he said, like a prison. And you are not allowed to leave your room. And yeah, he'd been there for five weeks when
0: Mike told me the story and he's and, vaccinated yeah
1: yeah it doesn't so, matter
0: uh you know so, they and to and to what extent do we know or not know you know what the folks are doing to sort of i don't know keep him there until he pays up because yeah. i mean we've all heard stories of you know corruption and places like that i obviously after hearing that story um i maybe pump the brakes a little bit on go. I don't have a problem going to Mexico or Central America, but you know, you and I were talking about going to Indo in September and now they're probably the uh, hardest hit country in the world right now. Yeah. With, with, you know, very minimal
1: resources to to actually deal with it. And so, yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, he told Mike um, the last time that he had communicated with Mike, he said that there was people that had been in that hotel for nine weeks. Yeah. That's scary.
0: Yeah. That's nuts. Needless to say, Chris, you've had a, um, a nice whirlwind of travel before COVID So, and being locked down in Hawaii is no, um, no problem uh, for you. Obviously, that's home, but it's also like a bit of a paradise. And you uh, had initiated like maybe some work on the road for your new project, whatever it was going to be. We know how you work. We kind of have the feel that, you know, it's like what comes will come and what you know what you make your creative process tell us a little bit about that so I don't have to tell the fans but what is your creative process
2: oh creative process honestly my creative process is I have a little idea I have a lot of crazy dreams sometimes it'll come in a dream at night whatever and uh, I start to go act on that idea and everything goes (laughs) differently and That idea (laughs) changes a lot and I get into some existential crisis about thinking about the end and failure and that pushes me in a fully complete different direction. And yeah, my creative process is pretty much something like that.
0: (laughs) That's great. Now Having an
2: idea and then making something completely different, but at the end that I think is better and worthwhile and worth all of the risk of seeing a vision
0: oh and that's i mean the fruition of your last project um was uh a a product of what appeared to be just that like uh an impression that you want to give your fans or not fans (laughs) you didn't have fans you at this time you're making this movie you're like i'm just going to make a movie and see what happens beginning your career as a filmmaker basically yeah yeah, and so, but it, what came through was like the essence of uh, youthful joy, um, you know, wandering, uh, childlike, uh, you know, naivete, uh, looking at the world, but also understanding w- what nature, what role nature can play in that, in that world. And then you get a little bit deeper on this next project with, especially the voiceover, um, you know, you're dealing with other, uh, well, you're dealing with the COVID topic in your project now, and you're also um, addressing how, you know, we as uh, people who interact in nature can deal with things like that and mm-hmm. still find joy and come away with, um, you know, not getting too bogged down in our own heads. And, you know, it's just what what came through in this movie is, again, a, an expression of uh, joy in nature and also some, you know, radical surfing, and some great skateboarding and, yeah. and, just what our friends, you know, in the, in the theater like to see. So, you know, as you came into this second movie um, and you, you know, first of all, can we just back up and say, what was your experience with that first movie as a new Ready. filmmaker, a young filmmaker? Yeah. Just kind of walk us through the rollout of the film getting it on digital platforms and things like that. And just tell us a little bit of how that process went.
2: There wasn't really like a game plan. I mean, I didn't expect people to even really, I don't know, want to see it again. And (laughs) it was kind of just something where it started off as i I've always loved to create films and create little edits and just create like little expressions and feelings. And uh, I had a huge hard drive of my travels and, living through nature with my friends and I decided to just put it all together into a longer timeline just to keep you know just to have like something to look back on and something that I could look back on and reflect on my life and hopefully find inspiration and come like go into the future with it and it ended up being something that people liked and I had like a little showing in Hawaii and everyone was super stoked on it and the connection just grew and the web grew and reached out to you guys eventually and then before you know it I was flying out to Florida like what people in Florida want to see this thing crazy and then from you guys it just blossomed into like where did it go like Indonesia it went to New Zealand Europe and all kinds of places and then someone reached out and offered to put it on online and yeah it kind of grew from just like a little idea of just sharing things for myself to like suddenly got to share it with the world which was unexpected blessing for sure
0: well and the surf network was one digital platform that i know um had it yeah. highlighted on their home page for a bit too and uh, did you get any feedback from um people was i mean instagram or how do you how did you get feedback mostly from people who saw it
2: i would say yeah a lot of instagram messages um back when i I use Instagram a lot more these days. I go on Instagram, not as much, but, uh, or at least go on my messages. So if I am a slow replier to anyone out there, I will, I'll get to you soon. <laughs> at the time I was obviously like using it a lot more. And yeah, I was getting messages from people in all, all kinds of the world, Russia. And I was, yeah, I was blown away. It was awesome. And just speaks for, um, I just, I guess not caring what, other people think right off the start and just doing something because it feels right and it's fun and uh hopefully that will be contagious and other people find fun in it too
0: Well, in dancing days of dawn is the movie that you first made and so the um feedback was great i uh i do always wonder what it's like for somebody like you who comes in fresh with zero expectations um and that's kind of freeing you know in a way you, you don't have to hold true or try to impress sponsors or you know uh, get the profile done of this person perfectly
2: yeah you've
0: made you've made an effort to um basically commit to poetry on the screen which is you know that's kind of why i sit down and watch a surf movie these days is to check out a little bit and also check in or you know um, I, I just i feel like that's the most valuable thing you bring to this world is your point of view and your process ends up on the screen in a cathartic uh, sort of surf movie way, because we all love surf movies for, you know, at least the people who listen to this podcast and people will show up at our festivals. They, they love surf movies for a reason. One is either to get educated or uh, see some, you know, high quality aesthetic, you know, beautiful visuals, or to kind of just, turn things off for a minute and just sort of focus a little bit and meditate a little bit. And that's where your, you know, genre is best found in my opinion. So I'm really looking forward to showing this movie, by the way, John, we have a movie coming up in August 27th and 28th. Yes, we do. Yeah. And guess guess who's going to be
1: there. (laughs) Yeah. Mr. (laughs) Mr. Chris Miyashiro will be with us from Hawaii. So for all our fans listening, um definitely you know come out to the film and uh you know meet Chris and and uh chat with him and and get his you know input and his take on uh how he does this and just to kind of go back and echo what Kevin was saying like one one of the things i thought that was so refreshing about your film your first film um was that like Kevin said when when a lot of times when people turn on a surf film um you know, as Kevin said, they want to be educated, they want to be inspired, or they just want to kind of, it's a meditative process where you just sit and you watch nature literally perform for you. And then there's people performing on nature. Um, but what I thought was so cool about your film and so unique was that a lot of times when I watch a surf film, you get the impression that it's a very staged thing. And they're doing this for the moment to capture it uh, on the film. And your uh, your process very much made me feel like it's not staged. That's just how you live your whole life. And that's what I thought was so refreshing about your film and so unique and so different. Like Kevin was saying, you're not beholden to uh, a sponsor or a director or somebody saying you have to do it this way. I need this. I need lots of 360 airs. You know, I can't see the logos like it wasn't any of that. It was much more of that kind of, you know, innocent, youthful um, journey with nature. That probably is the reason that most of us started surfing in the first place. And it really came through in the film that like this was a documentation of your life rather than a documentation of this one day when the waves were real good. Yeah. And that that's what I thought was so cool about it.
2: Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I guess it just goes back to my creative process, you know? It's like the ocean. You start with a current, one direction you're going in, and there's all kinds of reefs and variable winds that affect it, and you have waves and all different types of life.
0: I think it's great that you've taken the time in your life, especially earlier in your life, to commit to this art form. And uh, there's a few of us out there who, with some regret, say, man i wish i would have done that as a younger person um you know me included i uh, i I feel like i dedicated my life to a clerical you know accounting sort of like provided a salary and that's what i needed to focus on um i think it's no you know uh, mystery that making these movies never made anybody rich but it uh at one point You know, you've decided like this is a good time in my life to communicate these feelings and uh, express it in an art form that I'm really good at. But you're you're good at various art forms. You're also an artist. Like you draw quite um, and create beautiful visual works of art. And what uh, what's that part of your life like? How much time do you devote to filmmaking? How much time do you devote to the visual arts? And uh, you know what else is involved in your creative life?
2: Yeah, I mean to be honest, filmmaking is pretty minimal to me. I don't really spend much time making films. Um, I usually sit down and start editing or thinking of ideas to edit when I have a gap, I guess, in in my like schedule. Um, but I'm always thinking about it. So filmmaking to me is, I'm, I'm always having a filmmaking mindset, but as far as actually working on a, on a film and a project, I I seldom do that. I'm, mostly doing art drawing um making block carvings spending time in the ocean to me is the biggest art form intertwining nature um but yeah filmmaking is filmmaking is definitely the passion project on the side that I one of those things that I think of like late at night kind of think oh
1: that's
2: (laughs) right I filmed some footage I should go edit it and color correct it and see what I could do with it um But yeah i mean i'm always thinking about it so mentally i'm a full-time filmmaker (laughs) physically i'm i'm invested in a lot of different things a lot of different creative outlets for sure always learning um always learning from the elders i love learning about like the history of voyaging and to me that um inspires filmmaking and art so
0: well how does the i mean as as somebody who always wonders how this works out for people who devote themselves to the artistic life having seen many artists come through atlantic center for the arts on a regular basis with uh you know first and foremost on their mind their work and they're a lot of them don't have a choice it's just what flows out of them and it comes in ways and and they're all wonderful beautiful unique people in, in their own way and what they come out with is just you know, what they come out with, but how that intertwines with society in the form of commerce is always of interest to me because people need to put food on the table and people need, you know, and they have families and, you know, they need a place to live and all that. So as it relates to your career, your current career, um, I know you do work with Globe to an extent. Um, Are there any other, or do you not, or, you know, are there partners that you find, um, help you make these projects that you'd like to sort of like recognize or at least you know anything like that
2: yeah financially I, I do um I guess I would call myself a freelancer because I do projects with globe every now and then um, as far as like getting funds to navigate through I guess our society um, I work part-time different places I have friends at cafes coffee shops I have some friends at surf shops and I try to evenly distribute my time with a thousand part-time jobs (laughs) Um, and when the occasion of making money from art is possible to me and it's in the realm of creating something and also uh perpetuating like a a value that comes from this island and also like being able to financially support myself and being able to make the product then obviously I'll go with that um but yeah I try to definitely filter the uh the making money off of the art. To me, if it's like beneficial for the person to receive a garment or a product where they can like get a story from it and they could be reminded of just a different way of life and appreciation and also making money, then I'm down for it. But yeah, that's why occasionally you'll see me selling like a shirt or something. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty random. So
1: now, do you ever envision yourself um, as a commercial filmmaker? where you know somebody hires you to make a certain type of film and you probably lose a bit of your creative control, is that something that you aspire to or, or would be even willing to tolerate?
2: I mean, <laughs> tolerate. <laughs> I, <laughs> I definitely don't see that happening, but I also want to acquire the skill and knowledge where if I was, I guess, I don't know, struggling financially in life, that I, I could do that route, but it definitely wouldn't be something that, I'd be like celebrating like promoting as like oh I'm a I'm a commercial cinematographer Um, yeah so I I mean yeah I don't know depending on the situation in life you know I live my life day to day so if I really needed to I would I'd love to have the knowledge and skill set to be able to do so but I don't I don't have that as like a goal and an ambition for me for sure but I want to be able to do it
1: cool now i know in your first film you did a lot of it very um kind of lo-fi um and low budge and you did a lot with your phone um on this uh on this new film that we're gonna see in august is it the same setup or did you did you have any upgrades and equipment
2: i would say it's an upgrade in equipment whereas i got an iphone 11 <laughs>
1: you got a new phone
0: yeah <laughs> i got an iphone
2: 11 the gopro got updated uh yeah, I mean, upgrading equipment, but definitely no upgrade in the budget for sure. Still tried to do, like <laughs> stories out of a traveler's pocket kind of a kind of a vibe. Um, but fortunately, I actually um, for the first time spoke up for myself at my first two premieres and said I would love to get new equipment and like, you know, learn how to operate on a professional level, but still keep the child playful mindset of making something alive and people donated and I eventually I got a camera
1: oh epic
2: maybe the fourth film will be a little bit more high quality on the on the visuals but yeah I hope to keep the same the same dream alive making things up as I go and honestly like I got the new camera and I've been using it a lot but I still have iPhone mentality you know yeah cameras in the bag and you're like on a crazy hike and you don't want to take it out Whip your yeah it's yeah
1: yeah iPhone and GoPro are so easy because you can do whatever it is you're doing, and
2: it's just there. You can be in the moment more with it. Yeah. Which is, to me, like, the, the big camera – I got, like, a camera – I got the new Sony camera, so it's really versatile, Okay. Which I'm glad, because, I mean, I, I could have saved up for a couple freaking more years and got a red camera. But <laughs> it, it's hard because you have to set up the whole thing, and then sometimes you're out of the moment. And to me, like, if you're telling a story, you need to be in the moment. So – you lose quality for you lose quality of your visual for like the, I guess the philosophy behind it.
1: Yeah. Like that's one thing I, I, I thought was so cool about um, the film that we showed, you know, you're in dancing days of dawn is that you were both a cinematographer and the narrator kind of. And so that would be incredibly difficult if you're trying to, you know, if you're got all this camera equipment and you're trying to document what your what's happening to you that that would be incredibly difficult with a bunch of like techy
2: gear some people can do it and hats off to those guys who so can operate under high pressure with good equipment and still keep the vision alive um yeah that that's something i definitely strive to have but for me if i'm if i'm not inspired and the camera's taking me out of the moment i don't want to i don't even want to make a film you know so yeah there's also got to try to balance both worlds
0: yeah, and, and the I think the 12 Pro is now at 4K, 60 frames a second at 4K, which is unbelievably clear and beautiful. Speaking of 4K. Yeah, we uh, have a 4K projector waiting for you, Chris, if oh. you do re- render in 4K. If you... I'll
2: render it in 4K for sure.
0: Yeah, it'll look really good. Uh, John and I just installed it and had a couple of couple of the movies were actually shot in 4K, so it, it worked out well. And the ones that were not shot in 4K, for example, The Globe, you would, uh, you know, um, Dark Hollow with the yeah Dion, Dion's movie, it was not shot in 4K, it, it, or at least it wasn't rendered in 4K. Yet it looked like it was. It was unreal, yeah. and um, the the picture looks good. You'll be stoked about it and. I'm glad you're coming. You're going to show up a couple of days early, leave a couple of days late. We've got you in the Florida Surf Film Festival's Chevy Suburban again. So you can just kind of cruise (laughs) around and, uh, you know, uh, feel out the town in the middle of hurricane season. Hopefully we'll have some something for you. Yeah, Hopefully we'll have some surf.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Um, Yeah, the Globe makes really cool stuff. I hope to be able to work on the visual department with them one day. I really like how they rebranded it to be super eco-friendly and every time they send me a product like, wow no plastic packaging just straight
0: yeah price. are you wearing one this is it right here my yeah. shorts and my shirt today yeah
2: i like this it has no logos on it it's the ever. Yeah. yeah just yeah
0: just they-
1: their whole live, living low velocity is their new campaign and yeah they they literally just went like from one one day to the next it was like we're, we're just like, you know, everybody else. And then the next day it was like, nope, we're, it's all organic. There's no, you know, no hang tags, no, you know, yeah. everything was way more environmentally conscious. And, uh, and, and I thought that was super cool. Cause that that's what I like is that they're doing it, but they're not like beating you over the head with it.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I definitely get weary over surf brands, either being like extra trying to be some earth person that they're not. And like, the guys that are just like everyone else is out there to make money. So it's cool. Yeah, to see someone in between.
1: I just felt like Loeb did a good job of just being like, Hey, we're just doing this. Cause it's the right thing to do.
2: Living Pono. That's what it's about.
0: Yeah. So Chris, it's really exciting to have you out to the festival in August. And uh, normally on this podcast, we always try to document something that won't really get written down. Won't always make it into the, uh, you know, the magazine or, you know, because of this format of, you know, media has kind of become a little more dominant. Um, we're growing in size every month, and uh, the the fans generally are responding well to it. I haven't heard any negative feedback actually. But one thing John and I wanted to document when we started this podcast during COVID was to say, all right, what are those stories we're missing out on? Uh, everybody's missing out on that we could record and sort of have in posterity. So, like, you know, for generations will have any good surf stories doesn't mean your story right now off the cuff has to be one of those but that is part of the goal of our podcast and i'm wondering did you have or do you have any fun stories or death-defying stories whatever it might be from recent journeys that make sense for the podcast today
2: yeah definitely um crazy stories honestly like i I consider it any story that you learn something from the ocean to be like a surf story. Cause it's still like, you have the surf mentality in your head. But this one time my friends Koa and Kalani and I were on this crazy adventure where we had that we were out like super far in the wilderness. Like there was no cell phone service, no nothing. We had the paddle something like 25 miles into this valley. Um, just to like, I don't know, we're just out there to test their, the human spirit, you know? Like yeah. And uh, it was during, it was deep heavy during COVID. so we're like, oh, they're making us quarantine. Like, we're going to go to the most like therapeutic, like medicine possible. We're going to retreat to nature and not have any contact with the outside world. So we're out there for a week and it was, it was on our last day. And we had planned with Kalani's dad to be like a couple valleys down to pick us up at 10 o'clock in the morning or else, like call the Coast Guard because like something happened to us because we were out of communication for a week like trekking through the wilderness on little tiny like one man canoes, um, and we had just gotten into this valley and it was like the most beautiful sunset ever. Just like the wave conditions were horrible. It was straight on shore, but there was no one around and we were all weary from from paddling really far and. We had our little pipe board boards and we were pulling into these little tiny barrels, like so stoked, having the time of our life. And uh, of course, surfed until well past dark, hours past dark, and uh, pitched our hammocks up in the in hala the tree and went to bed all tired and like, you know, talking stories about the stars whatever. Woke up the next morning, the morning we're supposed to be meeting them at 10 o'clock, like a couple ridges down, which is something like five miles away and uh woke up four in the morning expecting to get in our little tiny kayaks and start paddling and the waves were well overhead high and it was like this really long stretch of, of coastline that we had to make it out to calmer water to start paddling and it was probably like 200 meters of just whitewash of just like oh. incoming whitewash that was like waist to shoulder high sometimes head high in the sets which is minor if you're on a surfboard or swimming but we were on our kayaks with like our our like gear or whatever and yeah was it took us probably like a solid hour of just getting pounded like completely so pounded I've never been more pounded in my life like to the point of like wanting to cry oh part time because it was like physically taxing and then part time because we knew that if we failed this mission that we would get the coast guard called on us and like that's just so humiliating you know like (laughs) we like spend our whole lives in the ocean and we had to get a coast guard called on us and Yeah, it was already like seven o'clock and we still haven't made it out of this little crevice and he's getting so pounded. And eventually we just had to like tap into that like spiritual space where nothing else mattered. You know, he's like full tunnel vision, like make it out. And we finally made it out and we didn't say a word to each other for like the whole, I don't know, like two or three hours of paddling we had left just like against these really horrible conditions, choppy water. And, uh, yeah, no better feeling was it making it on land and seeing Uncle standing on the beach, like, all stoked that we made it. Never had any – he didn't know how how gnarly the morning was that so we made it onto the beach. And, oh, seven days of, like, no, like, food from the outside world, just straight berries and coconuts and getting pounded on the last day. And to me, that was probably one of the sickest ocean stories I've ever lived through because it was, I don't know, a story of – having fun and then that fun turning to problem and fear and had to be courageous and the ocean will definitely humiliate you and yeah it's our it's our biggest school our biggest teacher
0: and well now you know how like tom get to
2: the surf and you're good be humble exactly. and know that the ocean is 10 times more powerful than you and if you're if you're good enough like if we studied and observed the ocean like maybe we would have been able to avoid that you know or so it was always like a push to do better and more things to observe in the ocean. And yeah, it was a it was a fun adventure for sure.
0: Good deal, man. Now you know how Tom Hanks felt an outcast. I mean Yeah. <laughs> just absolutely uh marooned. I'm joking, of course. So anyway, so that uh sounds a lot like Florida. Uh I can't imagine paddling a kayak out through and I'm sure it was worse than Florida, but I mean <laughs> all of our beach breaks when it gets head high or above head high you know and if it's kind of onshore and constant uh the idea of paddling a kayak out through that would be no just disastrous yeah. yeah that would be hardcore especially when you're dealing with longer period maybe open ocean more powerful waves oh my god i, I would give me a nightmare i mean yeah. that, that's awful but at least you made Thank it god through. we
2: we packed very minimal we had like one tiny little backpack each but i could imagine like if you went out there all prepared, like it would be a disaster. You would just be littering all over the ocean.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's, I mean, I can think of different rigs that would just not even make it out past, you know, 50 or, you know, 60 feet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Then imagine if you throw a red camera in that scenario and you're, oh, like you're freaking out about losing that.
0: Yeah. So much
2: anxieties from all different sides.
1: Oh, yeah. I just love that a story came out of uh, Hawaiian that was about being terrified in the ocean and it was head high.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Honestly, it, was, it was probably less than head high, but on the kayak it seemed like mountains.
1: Yeah, because you're yeah, not
2: down. You're not like there's no duck diving. There's no paddling over stuff. You're just plowing through waves, hoping that you won't tip over, and then you hooly and you're toast. Swim yeah. all the way back in and find your bag and your paddle.
0: Oh. Jeez, that's incredible. All right, well, good story, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. I want to say, like, the best part of the story, in my opinion, is. That you were too ashamed to call Coast Guard in the time of need. Yeah. Or, you or know, not like even us. The,
2: it was someone calling the Coast Guard about us.
0: Yeah, that's awful. I can't I mean that's also hilarious, but uh <laughs> that that was one of your worst fears. Because God forbid <laughs> you go back to school on Monday, not that you're in school, but you know what I mean. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Um, I just watched rewatched The Bad News Bears last night, by the way. Uh John. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen have you ever seen this oh, movie, yeah. Chris? Okay, Chris oh. hasn't, but uh, for us older farts, like there's literally every other line of dialogue would send you straight to cancel culture these days. <laughs>
2: 1976
0: yeah. version, not even the Billy Bob Thornton version. But uh, I thought, I haven't watched that in a while. And I'll watch it with Jude. And Morgan's cringing over there in the corner as, they're, <laughs> as the little kids just lick, you know, throwing out lines. Um, anyway, so I think uh, this has been a really nice time to chat with you. I, I want to say, I can't wait for even more work. I've seen Whistle in the Wilderness. Um, and am I getting the title correctly? Yeah. Okay. Whistle in the Wilderness will be shown at Florida Surf Film Festival. Is that where the premiere will be? Or you've already maybe screened it once or twice? Yeah.
2: I've been showing it super grassroots at okay. backyards. and But nothing, definitely no theater with nice sound. And it's been off my laptop and some speakers and a projector. So, depends on what you consider a premiere for like a solid movie showing yeah definitely it will be the first one okay world premiere yeah world world premiere premiere. we're calling it (laughs) it. i don't
0: care what anybody says uh this is it and we're we're gonna
1: uh... all right thanks for joining us i don't care what anybody says either
0: we're world premiere in that baby that's right i think you know Chris seems to like Florida. I mean, we uh, we hand him the keys to a 2003 Suburban and say, get lost and have fun and until it's movie time. And then he shows up and uh, he's a superstar.
1: Yeah, I think Chris likes anywhere he
0: can uh, frolic around in the ocean and go barefoot. Yeah, that guy's classic, man. I can't wait to see him. Uh, hopefully it all works out. This podcast uh, is still made before we determine... If we're running the uh, festival, but it's looking good. We'll be in touch with you guys soon. You'll know the status shortly.
1: Yes. And just want to take a quick second. Thank all our sponsors. Of course, Monster Energy, the presenting sponsor of the Florida Surf Film Festival. Our apparel sponsor, Rourke. Uh, footwear sponsor, Globe. Yeti uh, handles all of our beverage containment needs. Um, ACA, our beautiful venue here. Um advent health and florida virtual school big
0: partners absolutely and then red dog surf shop the most core surf shop ever love those guys so thanks a lot for joining us for another episode of uh, surf stories and we'll see you next time